Okay, if you open your Bibles to John, Gospel of John, chapter 3, we're going to continue our series in the Trinity Bible Fellowship Statement of Faith. You know, as things get tough in America, get, you know, tougher and tougher for Christians, we want to sure what, you know, be sure what it is that we're standing up for, what it is that, uh, that we're going to be willing to suffer and die if need be. And so you open up to John chapter 3, we'll go to the Lord one more time uh, that he would pray the, uh, for the, uh, that we would pray uh, that he would anoint me to preach his word. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you, Lord. And I thank you that even on a day where some of us got a little bit of snow and the roads weren't that great, the back roads, I thank you, Lord, that we have people here. And uh, I, I pray that you keep safe us, even on our way home, and, uh, and that uh, you, you keep safe our brothers and sisters who couldn't make it. And I pray that they'd be able to watch uh, online. But I thank you for this family, Lord, this family, Trinity Bible Fellowship, the fact that we love you, we love your word, and we love your people. And now as we study your word, Lord, what your word has to say about the Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would anoint me and empower me and fill me to proclaim his truth so that I would not lead anyone astray. And uh, in a world of fake news, Lord, the people that are here today did not come here to hear fake news. They could get that at home. They came here to hear your truth proclaimed. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, cancel the man, cancel me, and have your truth proclaimed. And I pray that you would empower us to understand your word and empower us to obey your word so that uh, we could be all that you called us to be uh, for your glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Okay, so the Trinity Bible Fellowship Statement of Faith. Uh, we talked about what we believe about the Bible, that it's the inspired word of God totally without error. It's the final authority uh, upon which all things are to be tested. We talked about our, our belief that God exists throughout all eternity. God is the infinite God, the infinite creator God, and he exists eternally as three equal persons, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. They are the one God, but they're three distinct persons. Today we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we talked about angels, demons, and Satan. We're not alone. There's the triune God, there are human beings, and there are, the, there are these angelic beings. Some of them work for God. Some of them have rebelled against God and want to bring us down. If you're trusted in the Lord Jesus for salvation, there's a target on your back. And that target is bigger today than it was 10 years ago. Satan would love to bring you down. I mean, if you're just going to be a lazy bum and stay in bed and not get out and preach God's truth, okay, not be all that God called you to be, and Satan's going to leave you alone, okay? But if you get up in the morning, even as you get older, when it gets harder to get up in the morning, you get up in the morning, and you say, I'm going to be all that King Jesus called me to be today. And you start your day studying God's word and in prayer. And you recognize every encounter is a divine encounter. You recognize that you're an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, you better believe there's a target on your back right now. There are powerful, powerful people that if they got to know you, they'd want to bring you down. And again, I'm not talking about Christians who are just kind of sliming, going through the motion. I'm talking about spiritual warriors who recognize who we are in Christ, that we live to build God's kingdom and not our own. Oh, yeah, there's a target on your back, and Satan and his demons want to bring you down. And I'm, but I'm telling you, God dispatches his angels. We don't even see the battles that are going on all around us. And we don't even think it's a big deal. You know, hey, I'm just in Fred Myers to buy some milk. You know, no, it's a big deal because the person in front of you in line and behind you in line probably doesn't know Jesus. We got to speak Jesus into the, into the lives and the hearts of people. We talked about man. Man was created in God's image.
All right. All right, we're good to go now. So, uh, all right, so then, but the Lord Jesus Christ, he is God, the second person of the Trinity. He added a human nature without subtracting from his divine nature. Uh, he became a man by being born to the Virgin Mary, and then he died on the cross for our sins. He took our punishment for us, and he bodily rose from the dead to conquer death for us. Now, someday Jesus is going to return, and he's going to reign upon the earth for a thousand years. And so, uh, you know, we would not be here because of our sinfulness. We, not, we wouldn't be here today except that our sins were nailed to the cross. Our sins are covered by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we can proclaim with millions of, probably millions of churches throughout the world right now, we can proclaim that no matter how bad things get on planet Earth, Christ has died. He died for our sins. Christ is risen. He conquered death for us. And Christ will come again. Then we learn that salvation is by God's grace alone. It's a free gift. We can't earn it. And uh, we receive this free gift of salvation through faith alone in Jesus alone as God and Savior. Okay? And, um, and so now we want to talk about uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And um, let me say this. The Holy Spirit is not a non-personal force. There's too many televangelists that act like the Holy Spirit is just some kind of force you've got to tap into. You know, we've heard the expression, the force be with you in Star Wars. This is Trinity Bible Fellowship is not the force be with you. It's the Lord be with you. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a personal God. In fact, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a tri-personal God. The one true God. There's only one God. One true, infinite, eternal God. But he exists throughout all eternity as three equal persons. You don't have to have a body to be a person. Angels don't have bodies and they're persons. Okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit didn't have a body till the Son, he became a man. He added a human nature, and a body is part of that human nature. There's more to it than that. There's a soul and a spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a person. You can pray to the Father because he's God. You can pray to the Son because he's God. You can pray to the Holy Spirit because he's God. Now, you add to that list of the three divine persons, you add to that list and you start praying to Mary or the saints. No, that's not, that's not biblical. Okay? You're moving into uh, uh, the land of idolatry there. Okay? So you pray to the triune God. And um, so the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not a force. Now, he empowers us. Okay? He gives us spiritual gifts and all. Let me say this, too. A lot of people will say, well, this church or that church, they're not spirit-filled because uh, they spend all their time talking about Jesus. Keep in mind, John chapters 14, 15, and 16, when Jesus was about to ascend to heaven, he told us very clearly that when the other helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit comes, he will not testify of himself, but he will testify of Jesus. So a church that preaches and proclaims Jesus is the true Jesus of the Bible is, by definition, a spirit-filled church. Now, we're going to learn about some of the things the Holy Spirit does today. But in our statement of faith, the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts, supernatural abilities, to each believer according to the Holy Spirit's own will. Therefore, each believer plays an important role in the local church. Now, it's difficult sometimes. I mean, if you've got a church more than five people, you're probably going to have to have somebody get up and teach or preach, okay? And, um, but it gets difficult. As we sing praise songs, sometimes you might not know the words. You might say, well, I don't know the words. I'm just going to kick back. Well, at least read the words. Think about them. Worship God. Don't get in a spectator mode even in church, okay? 
Then, so then you have the, uh, the preaching of the word. And it's easy to say, well, it's, 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 it's the pastor's job to study the Bible and then to teach me. And then you just sit there and you take notes. Hey, when you come, when we meet together, you're to encourage one another. Take advantage of the time that we have. You worship God, but use the gifts God has given you to encourage one another. But then also use what you learned today, Monday through Saturday. Okay, this isn't the NFL where we practice all week and then we play the game. The big test is on Sunday. This is a church where our our strategy plan, our practice, if you will, our being equipped is on Sunday and then throughout the rest of the week. We've got to go and be all that God has called us to be. And so let's let's look into the Holy Spirit. I don't have all the verses listed down. As I study through the week on a passage, sometimes uh, I believe God gives me more passages for us to look into. So I want to start right at the beginning. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. Look at the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 3. Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. A Jewish rabbi who was on the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, okay, 70 members. And uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't get to heaven, you can't be saved unless you're born again. The first time you were born, you were born into Adam's family. You were born into sin, but you need to be born into Christ's family. You need to be born uh, again. Uh, Look at uh, uh, verses uh, 6 through 8. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. When you were born of the flesh to your parents, you're of the realm of the flesh, fallen mankind. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you can hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Okay? So, when I got saved, when you got saved, we were born again. We were regenerated through the power of the Holy Spirit. We became a new creation in Christ. But just like the wind, you really can't see the wind. You could just see the effects of the wind. You see the tree branches moving all over the place, and you see leaves flying around. You're not really looking at the wind. You're looking at the effects of the wind. So when the Holy Spirit regenerated you, when the Holy Spirit gave you the new birth, people couldn't see the Holy Spirit. My question to you, and you don't, you don't need to answer right now, but my question to you is, could they see the, the results? Could they see the changes? Or did Phil Fernandez still look like the same guy I was before? Or could people see, hey, you know what, there's something different about this guy. So people can't see. If the people are going to take notice of the Holy Spirit, they got to see the changes that the Holy Spirit makes in our lives. Okay, and uh, now how, what do we have to do for the Holy Spirit to regenerate us? Well, look at John 3, verse 16. One of the, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what Jesus is saying is when a person, the Holy Spirit draws us and sets free our will, And when we trust, when we choose to trust in Jesus for salvation, at that point, the Holy Spirit gives us the new birth. At that point, we are born again. Okay? And um, without that, we cannot even see the kingdom of God. Uh, This is mentioned also in, in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 1, 
verses 13 and 14. In him, that's in Christ, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. What is that saying? That says when you trusted in Jesus for salvation, when you accepted the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus, at that moment you were regenerated and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay? And when does he stop sealing you? It's until the redemption of his purpose possession. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the down payment guaranteeing the payment in full. When you are saved, when you're given the new birth, the Holy Spirit will preserve you by causing you to persevere in the faith. Okay? Uh, Titus chapter 3. Paul's letter to Titus chapter 3. Verses 4 to 7. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, we were not saved by works, but according to his mercy he saved us. God's mercy. He spared us the punishment that we deserve. According to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration, that's the new birth, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit regenerates us and makes us new creations in Christ. The regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We have an inheritance that is waiting for us. You know, we die on planet Earth. We leave. We don't bring anything with us. But we have an inheritance awaiting us in heaven, and we're protected. That inheritance is protected through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have to understand that God, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he draws us. You can look at, when you get a chance, John chapter 16, verses 7 to 11. He draws us, okay? Without, without the Holy Spirit drawing us, none of us would even seek God. That's why Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. You know, everybody, oh, and, um, what do atheists call themselves? Uh, something about uh, seekers of the truth. What is that? I forget what the, what the free thinkers, something like that. And they act like they really go wherever the evidence leads. Baloney. You don't believe in God. You haven't done, you haven't even started looking where the evidence leads. You're ignoring, you know, whatever, whether it's through science or philosophy or historical evidence, whenever it leads us, into the throne room of God, the atheist says, I'm not going there. And he makes a U-turn. Um, but we like to think of ourselves as free thinkers. We like to think of ourselves as people who really seek the truth. You know what? None of us would seek after God if the Holy Spirit didn't draw us. Okay? And, um, and so the Holy Spirit draws us and convicts the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. John 16, 7 to 11 tells us, the Holy Spirit sets the will free so that we can believe. But I believe we can still say no. It's not irresistible grace. God gives us the choice where we're going to spend eternity. And many people choose to reject Christ. Um, and many like us choose to trust in the Lord Jesus um, for salvation. And, um, and then when the Holy Spirit gives us the new birth and indwells us, he stays forever. If you're a believer, if you're trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, the Holy Spirit is indwelling you right now. Okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. And you get a chance when you get home, read John chapters 14, 15, and 16, and uh, Jesus will talk about, talks about this as well, about the Holy Spirit coming into us and staying with us. Um, 
So 1 Corinthians 6, uh, we'll go to verses 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You know, I get convicted when I think of this passage and I'm eating a ding-dong or a donut. So I got to remind myself, man, my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I got to take care of it. Okay? Um, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You know, God never leaves his people without a temple. There's no temple in Jerusalem. It was destroyed in 70 AD. But right now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The temple is a is a physical place where the special presence of God is embodied. Okay, it used to be the portable temple through the wilderness, the tabernacle. Then Solomon built the stationary temple. Okay, Babylonians destroyed it, 586 B.C. Then the Ezra, 70 years later, and the, the Jews were allowed to return, and they rebuilt the temple. They went back several times and rebuilt it. And um, then the Romans destroyed it in 70 A.D., and now it's like there's no temple on earth, right? Wrong. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's this truth of that expression that you might be the only Jesus that people will ever see. And so what do I do? I go to Fred Myers, I buy my groceries, and I leave. No, I got I to gotta touch people. I got to recognize, look, I'm not, you know, if you think you're on a mission to buy groceries, you just don't get it. Okay? You're not who you used to be. So if you got to buy groceries, you go buy groceries. But when you leave that house, you recognize, I'm on a mission from God. I'm an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people that I'm going to see. I might just get a chance to say, God bless you and be safe to somebody. But that might be the one thing that gets them through. It might be the one thing that gets them through a difficult time, and who knows, two months later, somebody might share the good news with them. Maybe I'll have the opportunity to share the good news with them. You know, I was sparring with uh, one of the young fighters, real good fighter. He could probably knock me out. In, kid's only 14 or 15. He could probably knock me out in 30 seconds. Good fighter. Way too fast for me and stuff. But I got to give him a, a ride home uh, after boxing. And so it was real nice, just real smooth. And when you box with a guy, you say, God bless you and be safe. And guys come to you for prayer. Paul's another fighter from our gym. We pray for guys. We talk to them about the Lord. But it just makes it so easy. It was just natural. I just, you know, gave him a ride home, and it was a long enough ride where I was able to explain the whole gospel message to him. Okay? You know, I might go boxing twice a week thinking, you know, I'm going there because I like boxing. Well, the Holy Spirit said, no, no, I'm sending you there as a missionary. Okay? I love everybody here, and I love everybody at the Christian school I teach at, but the fact is most of you, if not all of you, are born-again believers. And so when I go boxing or I go shopping at Fred Meyer's or Walmart, I get to do a little outreach. You get to do a little outreach. Some of you, where you work, you might be the only one who's saved. Well, praise God. You represent King Jesus. You're his ambassador. But that's why there's a target on our backs. So the Holy Spirit indwells all believers. So if you're a believer, if you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, when you walked in his door, the Holy Spirit's indwelling you. Okay? We're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. My question, though, are we all filled with the Holy Spirit? I hope I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because I don't want Phil Fernandez to get here. You, th you think, you know, we had some technical difficulties today. You think preaching without a microphone really stinks. What about preaching without the Holy Spirit? And don't get me wrong, I, I've done it probably plenty of times. I beg God.
to anoint me to preach his word. But I'm sure, human nature being what it is, I'm sure there's a few times I got a little arrogant and did it in my own strength. Um, but am I filled with the Holy Spirit? I hope I'm filled with the Holy Spirit Otherwise, uh, right now because otherwise I'm wasting your time. Look at Acts 4, verse 31. Acts chapter 4. Verse 31. Now, this is after, you know, Peter and John get beat up for preaching the gospel, and then they come back, and they're rejoicing to suffer for the Lord. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You want to speak the word of God with boldness? you got to be filled with the Spirit, okay? But if they're believers, and on a Feast of Pentecost, God baptized the church with the Holy Spirit, they're already indwelt with the Holy Spirit, yet they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit till after they prayed. What's going on here? See, there's a difference between being indwelt with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. If, and this is a big if, if you are trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, you are automatically indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, but if the Holy Spirit's not controlling you, you're controlling yourself, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit at that point. Okay? The illustration I give, you guys have heard it over and over again, you're going to hear it. You know, if I'm still alive and kicking 30 years from now, I'm still going to use this illustration. Uh, the car, your car will represent you. If you're in the driver's seat and the Holy Spirit's in the passenger side seat, that's like being indwelt with the Holy Spirit, okay? But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you move over to the passenger side seat and the Holy Spirit is doing the driving. Brothers and sisters, who's driving today? When you walked in here, were you filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, there's ways to tell. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, a lot of times we like to focus on what we're doing and not doing. That's not the way to tell. To Paul, Galatians 5 will talk about the um, deeds of the flesh. All these horrible sins. And so as a new believer, I was like, you know, this is Galatians 5. Look at Galatians 5. The deeds of the flesh. I was like, oh, these are horrible. I don't want to do those things. I want to I see what the deeds of the Spirit are. And I was looking for the deeds of the Spirit. And he doesn't even tell us what the deeds of the Spirit are. He tells us instead the fruit of the Spirit. So look at Galatians 5, 22 to 23. This is our report card. It's not like, oh, I'm a really good preacher, or um, I'm a really smart person, or um, I gave money to the poor. No, our, our report card is right here, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to bear this fruit in your life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Some translations read patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. Okay? Are you uh, self-controlled? Are you faithful? Are you patient? Some of us like to think, yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm just not a patient guy. Eh, then you're probably not filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he's going to bear his fruit in your life. The fruit of the Spirit not like what we're going to talk about next, the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, you don't, you don't pick and choose. I want, I want love and joy, but I don't want peace and patience. No, you want everything. The fact that I'll be honest with you, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And when love is described in 1 Corinthians 13, you see the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. So if it's true love, the rest of the fruit is going to be there. Okay? 
And, um, you know, patience can mean going boxing on a Tuesday night and hearing all these guys cursing left and right all around. I got to be patient with them. They don't know Jesus. But Jesus still died on the cross for them. said, what, Jesus died for them? While they were his enemies? Yeah, he died for us. Well, we were his enemies. Patience could be, you know, with a fellow believer who's just not getting it, not getting with God's program. You got to be patient. Remember how patient God was with us. Okay? God had a lot of patience for us. We got to be patient. Patience with parents and their little children, parents and their teenagers. You need patience with a capital P on that. Uh, but that's the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, from the day the Trinity Bible Fellowship started, I decided, and I pray that God was with me, that our focus would be on the fruit of the Spirit, not the gifts of the Spirit, because the gifts of the Spirit can puff up, can make us arrogant and prideful if we're not careful, focus on the fruit of the Spirit, and then that will just allow God to do what he wants to do in our midst, okay? And so we've been, a, hopefully we've been a church of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And um, does that describe me? Yeah, on a good day, not on a bad day, okay? Um, and it's not, man, I tell you, when you're a Christian leader, you say, oh, I'm so patient with my people. Yeah, big deal. Are you patient with your wife? And you go home, okay? And um, you, you, want to, you want to show me a godly man? You want to find out if a man's a godly man? Watch him, how he deals with his wife, how he treats his wife, and um, um, how a guy treats his children, okay? But that fruit of the Spirit... One more passage, though, on being filled with the Spirit before we move on to the gifts of the Spirit. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 18. Ephesians 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, which is dissipation, tears you apart. I'm sure we've all known people who, you know, became alcoholics and just the, the drinking just destroyed them, devastated them physically, spiritually. And do not get drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Um, God, when you get filled with wine, guess what controls you? The wine. You lose control of your mind. You lose control of your faculties. And there's these evil entities, demons, who will love in, who love to just come in and take control. Okay? But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that's controlling you, not the wine. By the way, people tell me when they get drunk, uh, people will say, well, when a person gets drunk, the real them comes out. I don't think so. I saw guys that I knew that were nice guys that became very unnice when they get drunk. It's not them, okay? That's why we don't do Hindu meditation. We don't surrender control of our minds. Evil entities will come in. We don't surrender control of our minds through alcohol or drug abuse, okay? Uh, the, only, the only time, the only, there's only three persons you should, you should surrender your, the control of your mind to. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when you surrender the control of your mind to the triune God, that's what's called being filled with the Spirit. Now, and I give you this advice all the time. You guys sound like a broken record going over and over again. But if you want to be filled with the Spirit, do the things that God tells you to do. Start off your morning, devotional reading of God's Word, okay, with prayer, okay, since they pretty much outlawed 
you know, they didn't outlaw it, but it's might as well drive by an audio cassette somewhere. I guess at Goodwill you could probably get an audio cassette. Then you'd have to find go to another Goodwill to get a tape player. But um, but if you like listening to music, I don't even think they use DVDs anymore. I don't know what. Just get your phone and do weird things on it. And, and um, I'm I'm frozen in like 1997 technology. But uh, but you know if you want to sing a praise song or two when you wake up in the morning, but you spend 10, 15. Some of us can spend a half hour in the morning. You might say, oh, you got to get up. Look, hey, look, to be all God calls me to be, I got to get up at 3.30 in the morning. And I'm not saying that for your sympathy. I'm just saying we're not playing games, people. We're serving King Jesus, okay? This is not a game. If I told you it was a game and it's all fun, there are some churches out there trying to make it look like it's all fun. There's some youth groups out there trying to make it sound like it's all fun. Well, if it's fun being a Christian in 2024, let's see how much fun it's going to be being a Christian in 2030. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. It's fun for me to study God's word. It's fun for me to preach God's word. When we be all that God called us to be, it's built inside of us. When we're pleasing to God, we feel good. Okay? But if the feelings aren't there, I doubt it was a lot of fun when they were bouncing rocks off of Paul's head. It's not a game. We serve the king. And, uh, and to serve the king, we've got to be filled with the spirit. If you started off your day with devotion, devotional Bible reading and prayer and a little worship of God, God will fill you with his spirit. And then just keep talking. Pray without ceasing. Just keep talking to God throughout the day. Now, focus. You know, don't be driving around and praying to God with your eyes closed. Keep your eyes open, okay? Don't be stupid. Talk to God throughout the day. But it, what happens is if you start your day worshiping the triune God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator and the redeemer, if you start your day in prayer, in Bible study, and worship in God, it will become natural to walk in the supernatural. Okay? I don't want to walk in the natural. I don't want to bring the old dead Phil Fernandez back into the picture. I want the new creation in Christ, Phil Fernandez, to be displayed in my life. But to do that, we've got to be filled with the Spirit. Okay? So when we, can, we surrender control of our minds, it's only to the triune God. Like there was some kind of reality show. I just turned to the channels, and they had uh, some kind of stupid reality show like from 20 years ago or something, and, and they had Gene Simmons and a group of guys, and they would basically make the guys do weird stuff to, to win the competition. And I don't even know who the guy, the Gene Simmons was there, the guy from KISS, and he told the guys that they had to, for the, for the next thing on their list to do, they were in a cemetery, they were in a graveyard, and he, he said, you have to bow down and worship me. And this one dude, he just got ticked off. He said, no. No, he said, I ain't going to worship you. I only worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was, I was like, who is it? It turned out the guy was a rapper. Now, I don't even know if the guy was a Christian, it just, I, I do know his mama was a Christian, I'll tell you that much. Because if he wasn't a Christian, she beat it into him. Don't bow before anybody but King Jesus. Okay? Let that be our anthem. I don't bow before anybody but the triune God. Because I'm telling you, the guys in the White House, they want us to bow before him. The World Economic Forum, they want us to bow before them. What's that expression that great philosopher once said? Um, he was, homie, don't do that, okay? <laughs> no. We bow before the crucified, the virgin-born, crucified, risen king of kings, and we bow before no one else. You could put a gun to our heads, and someday they will. 
You could beat us. Someday they will. You could lead us down a corridor to our death. Someday they will. But we bow only before the crucified, risen King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be controlled by the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts and abilities to each believer according to the Holy Spirit's own will. So you can't say, Holy Spirit, I want this gift or I want that gift. No. We're members of the body of Christ. If you're an elbow, be a good elbow. If you're a pinky, be a good pinky. Okay? But the gifts are distributed by the Holy Spirit. Now go to 1 Corinthians. The spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities. Now God will often take, God will often gift us with natural gifts like, I was always good with words. It may not have sounded like it to most people, but, I mean, I weighed 125 pounds soaking wet when I was in high school. I was fighting in the 126 class, so I had to keep my weight low. 125 pounds in my senior year of high school, and sometimes 200-pound guys would pick a fight with me. And I knew they could whoop on me. But God gifted me with words. So I said little things that Clint Eastwood or Charles Bronson would be proud to say. <laughs> and I said it in such a way that I had big guys backing down from me. I, w- I probably wouldn't be here today if I wasn't a good talker. See, when you grow up in Essex County, New Jersey, you either got to be a really big, strong fighter. Hey, I was only a good fighter in my weight class. You had to be either a really big, strong fighter or you had to be a good talker. And God made me a good talker. I used to win every article, argument I had, no matter how stupid the argument was, you know? Is a hot dog a sandwich or not? You know, it's like... Um, when I became a believer, next thing you know, God's using my oratory skills for his glory. So sometimes God will give you natural gifts that get transformed into supernatural gifts. Okay, very rarely does God take a guy who's just like way out here and make him way out here. Okay, Um, but these are supernatural gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. But I want us to look at first Corinthians chapter one and verse seven before we even get into the gifts. First Corinthians chapter one and verse seven. And uh, the Corinthians, they exercise the gifts more than. Anybody, any of the other ancient churches, I mean, they had the gifts flowing all over the place. Problem was, though, they had divisions in the church. They had heresies, false teachings in the church. Um, They had sexual immorality in the church. Um, So Paul could say this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 4, he says, I thank my God always concerning you. So he's thanking God for them. And one of the reasons is verse 7 so that you come short of no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was saying, Paul was saying, I thank God for you guys. One of the reasons why I thank God, you guys got all the spiritual gifts. So you would think if they've got all the spiritual gifts, they're spiritual giants. No, then go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, fleshly, as to babes in Christ. So you have to understand that. As we talk about the spiritual gifts, the spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. In fact, King Jesus says, there's going to be people on the judgment day saying, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we perform miracles in your name? And Jesus is going to tell some of these people, depart from me, you you evildoers, I never knew you. Okay? So spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. 
Does that mean we don't use the gifts God's given us? No, we use them for his glory. But you could be the most gifted preacher on the planet Earth if you don't have love or the fruit of the Spirit, you're wasting everybody's time. Okay? And so the spiritual gifts are important, but they are not the signs of spiritual maturity. The fruit of the Spirit is. And, uh, and so we'll see this. The Corinthians had all the spiritual gifts, and they were still babes in Christ. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting at verse 4, Paul says there are diversities of gifts, many different gifts, but the same spirit. So you look around this church, we got a whole lot of us got a lot of different gifts, okay? Different spiritual gifts, different spiritual talents, yet they all come from the same spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. By the way, you use your spiritual gifts. God gives you your spiritual gifts so that you can fulfill the ministry that he's given you. And what does ministry mean? mean ministry means service. And guess what, people? We serve people. We minister to people. So you have to. I have to. We got to use the spiritual gifts God has given us with the fruit of the Spirit, we've got to use these gifts to minister to others, to serve others. And we serve in different ways, you know. Um, I'm, you know I've got the gift of teaching. I think you're wasting your time if I don't have the gift of teaching. Um, I probably don't have the gift of service. By the way, if you don't have the gift of teaching, God still calls you to teach to a certain extent. If you don't have the gift of service, God still calls you to serve. So if I show up at a work party, you know, um, John and David and a few others will see us. Oh, no, Pastor Phil's here. <laughs> and they'll remember in the past that whenever I try to help out, you know, they, when I worked in landscaping, they called me double work. It took one day to get that nickname. And it didn't mean that I did double the work of anybody, but I created double work for everybody else. I mean, they were, I said, what am I supposed to do? Said, Stand in line, just do what everybody else is doing. So I, stood in line, and they were just shoveling dirt over, and I was shoveling back. And after about 10 minutes, we realized I had filled up the same pile that we had started with or something. So it was just, it was not good. But if I show up at a work party, it'd be like, oh, no, Pastor Phil's here. Let's, uh, let's send him on a coffee run. How much damage can he do by going on a coffee run? Well, you try. You know, you, you know if God hasn't given you the gift of encouragement, you still try to encourage people. You know, some people have the supernatural gift of encouragement when they encourage others. Man, it's, it's like a plane taken off from a runway. Those person, you, you know, sometimes you, when I, when I bump into people of the gift of encouragement, you know, I just feel like throwing the towel in and just like, Lord, nobody's, you know, I feel like Elijah. Nobody else believes. I'm all alone and stuff like that. And God's got to remind me. No, there's 7,000 people who haven't bent the knee to Baal, the false god. But, but to somebody with encouragement, you feel like throwing in the towel. After a few minutes with them, man, it's like, man, I'm going to. I'm motivated right now to serve King Jesus with everything I got, use the spiritual gifts for his glory for a couple months now. And, um, but how are you going to use your gift of encouragement unless you're around people? So there's different gifts, different ministries but the same spirit, the same Lord. Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. I should look, not look down on you because you're not a preacher and you're a servant. Um, by the way, you know, um, God's not going to give preachers, even the ones who preach the word and do a pretty good job at it, God's not going to give guys like me, John, and Willis, and, and Pat, and Chris. God's not going to give us extra, extra spiritual gifts just because we're preachers. You know, I mean, on the great white throne judgment, we get a pass. We trust in Jesus for salvation. 
So we're not going to get where we earn, and that's hell. Uh, but when it comes to rewards for those who are believers, you're going to be judged by how well you fulfilled the ministry God gave you. So if you have the gift of service and nobody's watching, and you're out there using your spiritual gift serving people, and you don't get people saying amen and patting you on the back and stuff like that, you're not gonna, it's not, God's not going to judge you next to a, a preacher. It's going it's it's to come down to how good of a pastor was I? How good of a father, of a husband, of a grandfather? Okay? God's going to judge you by how good of a servant you are if you have the gift of service. How good you did at encouraging if you had the gift of encouragement. Use the gifts that God's given you. You know, th th there are times we use our gifts and we bless people. By the way, the only time God ever blesses us is when he wants us to be a blessing to others. So don't keep it in. But sometimes we just, we just encourage somebody and pray for them, pat them on the back and go about our, our way. And then somebody says, so what happened uh, yesterday? Anything? Oh, nothing big. And there was some big eternal problem that got solved. And God used you as his instrument, and we don't even realize it. Okay? But, uh, but there's a diversity of gifts. Um, verse 7, but the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay? So now these are the manifestation gifts. It's two different kinds of gifts that God gives us. There's manifestation gifts where the Holy Spirit displays his power. And that's usually done in smaller groups of Christians. As we pray, God might put a psalm on your heart, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. God might even give you a tongue if there's somebody there who has the gift of interpretation of tongues. Those are the manifestation gifts. In Romans 12 next week, we're going to look at the ministry gifts, the gifts that God gives us to minister to others, okay? And so, but the, the Corinthians, they were really big on the manifestation gifts, so Paul had to give them a lot of instructions on it. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Note that, that when God gives us spiritual gifts, it's for the profit of others, God doesn't bless us so that we're blessed. He blesses us to be a blessing to others. If God has blessed you with spiritual gifts, use that to edify and to build and to encourage others. To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as he wills. It's his call. I don't like taking psychological exams to figure out which spiritual gift I have. Okay? That's all to me. That's wisdom of man stuff. What I do is I just wake up in the morning studying God's word and devotional time in God's word and prayer, worshiping God. God fills me with his spirit. And then I just do what God's called me to do. And in order to do what God's called me to do, guess what I have to use? I have to use my gifts. Now, if I don't recognize them, you can ask Christians that you trust. Real humble Christians, godly Christians. I don't even know what spiritual gifts I have. You see me in action. What do you think? You know? But don't go to somebody who's just going to tell you what you want to hear. Okay? And, um, um, but the Holy Spirit is going to distribute the gift to each one as he wills. And then look down further. We'll break this down next week. Uh, but at verse 27, and we'll run straight through chapter 3, because this is the point I want to close with. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. We're individual members of the body of Christ. Our local church is the body of Christ. 
all true believers throughout the world is the body of Christ. Okay? And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles. We'll talk about the gift of apostleship. I don't think anybody has apostolic authority on planet Earth. Not the Bishop of Rome and not these Protestant guys uh, claiming that they're apostles and leading people astray and teaching heresy. Um, yet, I think people, I think missionaries have that gift where they plant churches and get the people going and appoint leaders and then move on and stay in touch with the, that church but plant other churches. Missionaries, very humble people. I think they have the gift of apostleship, but they know they're not apostles with a capital A. And they're the most humble people on the planet Earth, most humble and underpaid people on the planet Earth. God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, proclaim God's truth, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of, varieties of tongues. And then he says this, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? In the Greek, it demands the response, no. So what he's saying is, don't force your gift on somebody else. When I first got saved and eventually I got the call to preach, the Holy Spirit knew he wanted, let me know he wanted me to be a preacher. I thought if a guy says he trusts in Jesus for salvation and he doesn't want to be a preacher, I thought, man, I'm not sure this conversion is real. I just couldn't see. It was just like, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I thought that would apply to everybody. Okay? Uh, but no, don't force your gifts on other people. To be the body of Christ, we got to have different gifts. Love, the unity in the body of Christ. The triune God is our unity. But love the diversity within the body of Christ. But then Paul says this in verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. So look at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, and we'll close with this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, that's a spiritual gift, but have not love, the fruit of the Spirit, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I would hate to stand before the Lord when he's handing out rewards to believers and say, oh, here comes Fernandez, that... Uh, that sounding brass, that uh, clanging cymbal. Okay? And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Okay? So in other words, the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural gifts of the Spirit, are powerful tools that we believers need to use, but if we use them without the fruit of the Spirit, we're just making noise. Holy Spirit, don't let me make noise. Holy Spirit, don't allow me to be a clanging symbol. Holy Spirit, God, the third person of the Trinity, work through me. Bear your fruit in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And as you bear your fruit in my life, show me the gifts that I have. So as you bless me, I can be a blessing to others. Trinity Bible Fellowship, we, we got to be, it, it is late in the game. It is late in the ball game right now. We got to stop being clanging cymbals. We got to stop making noise. We got to be spirit filled people, spirit empowered people. We got to be a blessing to others. We got to share Jesus in word and in deed. We got to be God's people. Father, in Jesus' precious name, 
You've indwelt us with your spirit for all of us who believe. If anybody here doesn't believe, I pray that they've changed. you've changed their heart already, that they're trusting in Jesus alone for salvation. We can't save ourselves. Only Jesus can save us. But when you save us, you make us born again. You indwell us with the Holy Spirit. And you empower us to be all that you call us to be. I pray that Trinity Bible Fellowship would be a spirit-filled church, a spirit-led church, a spirit-empowered church, so that you would be our, our God and we would be your people. Help us to use the gifts that you've given us to minister to others. Lord, you know, and this, this, the government wants to be worshipped. The government is deifying itself. We will not bend the knee to the government. We only bend the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, there are hurting people out there who are being deceived by all the fake news. May you empower us to proclaim the good news of salvation through Jesus by using our gifts. May we proclaim the good news to, to this culture, a culture of lies. Please, Lord, soften hearts so today and tomorrow and throughout the week when we encounter other people, soften their hearts. May your Holy Spirit do his work in their lives so as we use our spiritual gifts, many would come to Christ and would grow in the faith, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Holy Spirit, you indwell us. Please fill us and empower us to use the gifts you've given us to proclaim the good news that King Jesus is Savior. And may we preach Jesus in word and in deed until our dying breaths, because we live for him, not for ourselves. In Jesus' precious name we pray.